brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, we have two active baptismal fonts here at St. Paul's. I think that's just wonderful. Uh, if you are less than 47 years of age, you may have been baptized in the baptismal font uh, down in the uh, sanctuary that was created in the year 1974. If you are older than uh, 47 years old, you may have been baptized in that uh, baptismal font that served a couple of our churches, uh, one of which started in 1877 and the other one was torn down just before we built the present sanctuary. And I think it's just wonderful that this ancient, really old baptismal font is a part of our contemporary worship services. Or maybe you're like me and have come to this congregation later in your life, so you might have been baptized at a font in any one of hundreds, maybe even thousands of Christian churches around the country. Wherever it was, 98% of us Lutherans don't even remember it because we were baptized as infants. And this morning I want to talk about baptism. Now those of you who were baptized as adults, what a blessing. You guys maybe even remember that wonderful day. And I want you to replay that image in your mind today. But those of us who have been baptized as infants, I want you to try to gather up in your imagination this morning uh, maybe your godparents, if you remember who they were, holding you. I remember mine. They're both in heaven a long time ago. And now picture your pastor's hand as it comes out from his pastoral robe and he reaches down into the water and three times applies water to your forehead and says, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And if you can, imagine your parents, what they maybe looked like when you were an infant. That's tough for some of us old-timers. Uh, and think of the smiles of joy and pride that they have. And the whole congregation stopping in their worship and praying over you, that little baby, as you have just been made an heir of the kingdom of God. And they were praying that you might be brought up and nurtured to a godly life. And now look at here you are today, sitting in the house of God or maybe tuned in and worshiping online this morning. Wow, what a miracle. Well, this week in our Read Scripture Challenge, we will be reading the book of Romans. As a matter of fact, today we are scheduled to read Romans 6, the passage that I'm preaching on today. Romans is an amazing book filled with great Christian theology. And today I'm going to pick from this treasure trove of Christian theology a teaching that really captivated Martin Luther when he read the book of Romans. It was from Romans chapter 6 that Martin Luther put together his theology on baptism that is contained in the other book that's on the screen, the small catechism. In 1529, he wrote and taught us what, signif what, what baptism signifies for our daily living. You know, catechism is a book of questions and answers. So Luther asked this question, what does baptism signify or mean to our everyday life? And his answer is, on the screen, your baptism signifies that the old Adam in us should by, there's the word daily, daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil lusts. And again, a new man, how often? Daily should come forth and arise, living before God in righteousness and purity forever. And then Luther asked, I said this is a 
book of questions and answers, Luther immediately follows with a question. He says, and where is this written? And then he says, St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, that's our text for today, that's what we read earlier, we are buried with Christ by baptism into death, that like as he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we will walk in newness of life. Some Christians say that there is power in the name of Jesus, and there certainly is. There are old hymns that speak of the power of the blood of Jesus. We have new contemporary hymns, some of them I really love, that speaks about the power. And we know that the power of the gospel is able to bring salvation, is able to convert people. In Romans chapter 1, we read it a couple of days ago, in verse 16 it says, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And uh, that word power in the Greek is dynamos. You've heard that before, maybe. The word for dynamite. The gospel can blow us up spiritually, blow our mind mentally if we try to reason something that is so unreasonable. Huh? And we often, of course, refer to faith as being the power that can move mountains. Jesus says, even a little bit of faith has the power to move a mountain. So we talk a lot, we think a lot about power, but we don't often refer to the power of our baptism. And so I want to warn you that in my years as your pastor here at St. Paul's and in the years that I served the Cleveland Lutheran High School Association, I've discovered that the greatest treasure of baptismal theology in our Lutheran church is being abused. How and why? Because of the lack of instruction, poor instruction. And that's why today it's going to be a teaching sermon. That's what Martin Luther did when he read Romans 6. There are particularly two abuses about baptism, about baptismal theology, that are common even among us Lutherans. First of all, way too many Lutherans belittle their baptism and think it is nothing more than some cute little ceremony that has little or no significance for our daily life as mature Christians. It is an arrogant abuse that I will address in just a moment. To think that baptism is just a cute seminary ceremony, a, a reason to dress up a baby in a nice pretty outfit and take some pictures and throw a party for the family. The second abuse is kind of of the opposite nature. People that think that baptism is so powerful that it sets them up for a life with God that regardless of the daily basis upon which their life is lived where they have no relationship to the body of Christ at all. They never come to church. Uh, they think they have their ticket punched to heaven. And they don't have to be in the Word or be with Christian fellowship. Sad to say, and listen to this sentence real carefully, there are going to be a lot of baptized people who are going to spend eternity in hell. It's not a ticket punched for heaven. And the worst part about that abuse is it serves as such a horrible witness to the unchurched all around us. I've had a lot of parents who say to me, you know, Pastor, I don't want to force my children to be baptized here in the Lutheran church because I look at a lot of Lutherans who were baptized as babies and they're now living worldly, sinful, selfish, godless lives. See, Pastor, that baby baptism didn't work at all. 
So before I address these two abuses, I've got to make a couple of other things loud and clear, a lot, of, a lot of other points. The first one of which is baptism is not optional. It is not something that we decide if we're going to do or not. The resurrected Christ told his disciples before he ascended into heaven, you go to all nations, to everybody, and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It is a command. It is an order. It is a New Testament thou shalt. And so the church did. They baptized from the very beginning. It was the most important thing they did in houses and in synagogues, in streets and in rivers and in jails and eventually in church buildings and then in catacombs and in cisterns when they were in persecution. Everywhere the church went, baptism was not optional. For thousands on the day of Pentecost after Peter preached his sermon, they, they said, what are we supposed to do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and this promise is for you and for your children. When Philip converted the Ethiopian on the road, they went by some water and the Ethiopian said, hey, there's some water. What's to prevent me from being baptized? Nothing. He knew the command. There was no option. Folks, you can dedicate your children to God with a prayer. You can give your child a name at the hospital for the birth certificate. You can read them Bible stories as they grow up and teach them right and wrong and good morals. And yet in obedience to the command of Christ, you need to have them baptized. Now we might as well talk about why infants. Why do we baptize infants over and against those Christian churches that wait till a later age, maybe 12, 13, 14, or even as adults? Now I want to disclaim what I'm about to say by saying I, I hate to ever say anything that would run down another Christian denomination, especially from the pulpit here, because those other Christian denominations are not our enemy. Unbelief is our enemy. And for those who call upon Jesus, even if they differ with us Lutherans as to when to baptize people, they are folks that we're going to spend eternity with. Baptists, Assemblies of God, some of the big box non-denominational churches. But saying that, that doesn't diminish the serious differences that we have on this important topic. And the differences flow from two other great biblical truths that we simply disagree on. One about sin and one about faith. Let's look at them both quickly. For us, number one, sin is something that we must deal with because we are born with it. Original sin. It is not the things we say and do. That comes later. It is a definition of who we are by nature. Scripture says we are all by nature children of wrath. King David said, In sin did my mother conceive me. Yeah, from conception we believe that we are sinful. Now, some churches say we are, we are not accountable for our sins until the age of accountability, you know. That is when we're old enough to understand the difference between right and wrong and then willfully choose wrong. But we believe that accountability starts with conception. And, of course, death from conception is our proof. Can a baby die before they are even born? Yes. 
And there's only one reason why any human being dies. Romans chapter 3. It's the wages of sin. Yeah. So even in the womb we are sinful. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one, Scripture says. Not even that new, innocent, little baby. And yet there is good news that follows that hard reality. And here is the good news. There is forgiveness in Christ. How is that forgiveness given? I can only think of one way for a baby. All right? They can't listen, let alone understand, when the word is preached. You can't put... You can't put a uh, tape recording of a beautiful Billy Graham conversion sermon by the buggy and hope that that's going to save the baby. They can't take Holy Communion where they receive the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. There's only one perfect source for forgiveness for a baby. Baptism. And we just don't want to deny that great gift for 14 or 15 years or more. So the understanding of sin, and the second understanding that we have a difference with with respect to our fellow Christians is faith. What is it? Can a baby believe? We say absolutely. Whether it's a seven-day-old or a 77-year-old, faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter said on Pentecost, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul says to the Ephesians, by grace you are saved through faith, and this is not your own doing is a gift of God. Jesus says, you did not choose me, I chose you. Now, our, our fellow Christians believe that faith is some kind of a decision you make when you reach the age of discretion later on in life. But that's not what the Scripture says, especially the, the picture of Jesus when those mothers were bringing little children to him to have Jesus bless them. We say, we, we repeat this story at every baptism. His disciples tried to keep the mothers and the little two-year-olds and under away. And Jesus saw it and it says he was indignant. And he said to his disciples, you let the little children come to me. Don't forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whosoever does not believe like one of these little ones cannot enter heaven. And the Greek word for little ones there is a word that means sucklings, nursing babies under the age of two children. And Jesus says they can believe. And you've heard me use the illustration of one of my grandchildren, any one of my grandchildren, at the age of two or even less, soon as they're able to stand. If I stand them up on an upright piano and step back a step or two, put a big smile on my face and say, jump to grandpa, they'll fly. They don't stand there on the piano, look down, and say, you know, if the old man misses me, I'm a goner. <laughs> they believe. With the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's a beautiful part of my baptism that I had nothing to do with it. It's the theology of grace that the Lutheran Church is built upon. And oh yes, there's one more argument that we need to deal with, and that's that one. Parents who come to me and say, and I've heard it several times in this congregation, they say, Pastor, I don't want to force my religion on my children. I want them to decide on their own when they grow up. Believe me, my friends, in this crazy world in which we live, this world of, filled with a cesspool of lies and spiritual deceit, 
your children will decide on their own anyway. You couldn't force your religion on your kids today, even if you wanted to. But in the meantime, give them the gift of God's grace and the power that is offered to them in baptism. Now let's get back to these two abuses that I told you has come about because of poor instruction, why I'm using a teaching sermon today. Number one, thinking too little of baptism, and number two, thinking that baptism is an automatic ticket punch to heaven. Our text tells us that in baptism, we are united with Jesus Christ into his death. Think about that. Our sins, all of them, even those we don't know about. Did you know that you've got a lot of sins you don't even know about? Yeah, you do. So do I. They all go with Jesus to the cross. And then as he is buried, Jesus takes them with him right into the grave, right along with his broken body and his shed blood. Good news, right? I'll say. But I even got some better news. That on the third day, when he rose from the dead, he left them there in the grave. When he defeated sin, death, and the power of the devil in his resurrection. Every day in the power of our baptism, we drown the old Adam, the old sinful self, Luther says, and we allow a new self to arise, just like the resurrection, in newness of life. We do it every day. Did you catch that? Every day we receive new life and forgiveness. And with new life, we gain power over sin, death, and the devil. Because we are baptized, Satan, you have no power of us, over us. Death has no power over us. We can say when the devil tempts us, and he comes, he comes at us every day, we can say to him, you know that classic line, get thee behind me? We can say, get out of here. I'm a child of God. I'm united in my baptism with Christ's victory. And besides, you can quit working on me too because death even cannot hold me. When I lay my head down on the pillow for the last time and leave this earth for eternal life, it's my baptism that gives me the power because I'm united with Jesus. Now, I know you're saying to me at this point in the sermon, Pastor, this is all easier said than done. And I say to you, it's easier done than you think if you are willing to grab onto baptismal power every day. The power is ours. As long as we stay plugged in to this glorious relationship that unites us to Jesus' death and resurrection. The Word of God and the Lord's Supper and baptism, you see how the three of them work together? You stay plugged into that relationship. Stay strong in the Word of God. Regularly receive the Holy Sacrament and daily remember your baptism. And you know what? You do have a ticket punched for heaven. But start unplugging yourself from those holy three. Forget the word of God. Forget worship. Forget connection to a Christian fellowship. Forsake the Lord's Supper. Don't take it for the rest of your life. And never remember you're a baptized child of God. You unplug yourself and you got trouble because you can't make it against the devil on your own. That's why parents' greatest burden is not bringing their babies to baptism. That's pretty easy, actually. But following it up with the nurture and the encouragement and the admonition of the church 
is so important. That's why this congregation spends over half of its assets on Christian education. That's why we have Lutheran high schools. Folks, baptism is greatly neglected today. So much so for the young, but even more so for us adults. But because baptism is neglected and we fail to see its power daily in our lives, it's good for us to read this quote from Louis the Pious of France, who once said, the three handfuls of water that were poured over my head in holy baptism are worth more to me than the crown which I am wearing. Way to go, Louis. The Germans called their baptismal certificate a Taufschein. Uh, that's German for a show of baptism, uh, kind of showing off that you're a baptized child of God. That means that those certificates were framed by our generations preceding us, and they were hung on a wall as a wall as a daily reminder to them. Taufschein, show of baptism. Where's your baptism certificate? Here's mine. It's getting old and tattered just like I am. But it reminds me of that day that I don't remember in any other way because cameras weren't even invented back then. <laughs> Where's yours? In a box somewhere? Hidden with a bunch of old pictures? Uh, or are you thinking to yourself, I don't have the foggiest idea if I even have a baptismal certificate? Well, if you do, find it this afternoon. Just like I told the kids to Get out some pictures, you know. Remember your baptism today. Drown the old Adam every day, whether you find your certificate or not. Repent of your sins. Make the sign of the cross. You know, that's why Luther said, that's the way you should start every morning, making the sign of the cross. That's why we pastors say in the traditional service more often, remembering our baptism, we begin this service in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Huh? Because in your baptism, you were marked with the sign of the Holy Cross, both upon your forehead and upon your heart. It's a great remembrance of baptism. And it's so important because the three handfuls of water that were poured over your head are worth more to you than anything this world can give. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we praise you for your great gift that offers and conveys and seals to even the littlest of sinners your great grace. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit, O Lord, that was given into our hearts when we had nothing to do with it through the waters of holy baptism. And if there are any today who are worshiping with us online, who are here in person, who have, in the last 16 minutes, considered the whole matter of baptism, and wondering even if they ever were baptized or knowing that their children have not been. We ask you to just have them reflect upon your great promises for this sacrament. And let us make decisions that are pleasing in your eyes and help us to draw upon not only the power of the blood and the power of the word, but the power of our baptism for daily living. Let it all be, O Lord, according to your grace. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.